You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, right on. How's everybody doing today? Ooh, how are we doing? Are we ready? All right. Okay, good. That's good. That's good energy. Hey, a um, couple announcements before I forget real quick. We are hosting this week at the end of the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, a GLOW conference. Um, it is a Holy Spirit-driven group that really focus on prayer, um, and they do them all over the place, but this year they're broadcasting from Israel, and so we're going to be streaming that here and praying together. Uh, it, it's totally free. I'll probably be here some of the times. I know some of our, our team will be here as well, and uh, it should be really, really cool. So I want to encourage you, uh, Thursday night, Friday all day, Saturday most of the morning, kind of I think till 1, uh, people will be here praying and just seeing some cool stuff happen all the way from Israel. So um, I want to encourage you, feel free to come to that, but it should be really good. Also, small groups started up, so if you haven't joined in, make sure to get in a small group. We prayed. There's a Thursday night prayer group that is just fire, and the worship team and us, we all, like, prayed together, and it was so cool. I was like, this is awesome, but uh, I'm already in two small groups, so I can't join anymore, but uh, uh, it's really good, uh, and yeah, I'd love to see you guys connected, but I'm excited, honestly. I told Katie uh, right before I came up, I was like, I'm wired right now. Uh, I am an avid college football fan. And so last night I had some guys over. We're going to watch the Husky game. And there was a lightning delay. But let me tell you, I am a 100% person. And so if they were going to play that game, I was going to watch it because I just refused to lose. I mean, we did end up losing. But uh, <laughs> I refuse to quit. Uh, so I was up till 1.30 watching a football game and then just got up ready to worship and praise the Lord. So I'm fired up. So I hope you're ready this morning because we are eight cups of coffee deep and uh, just reliving my college days right now. So real. <laughs> Once you get over that hump, all of a sudden it's like you get past 10.30 and you're tired. You wake up, but I, I feel ready to go. So that must be the Holy Spirit. But um, so we're starting a new series today called God Never Said That. Uh, and I'm excited. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm excited. I'm excited. That was half excited, but we'll get you there. Katie's excited. No, you can tell that to Megan. Um, but we, I, I really felt led by the Lord to, to teach this and to walk through this series. There's lots of great resources on this. But uh, it wasn't because I wanted to harsh on the things that people believed. Hear me this morning. It wasn't because I want to put down the way the world thinks or talks or how you might think or, or your perspective coming into the church. It's because I really believe that there's something better than living by cliche, and it's called living with truth. And that a lot of the ways we live is just kind of saying cliche phrases, cliche things, like God will never give you more than you can handle. It's like, well, you apparently have not been alive for more than four and a half minutes. <laughs> because I get more than I can handle. Currently, this is more than I can handle. And so we want to just address those things because I believe that there's freedom in truth. So as we go through this series, I want to encourage you, if you kind of feel that stirring and you're like, oh, man, are, is he talking to me? I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know your background necessarily. But I do know the truth, and I know that the truth will set you free. And so as we go through this series, I believe that God is going to speak to some perspectives and, and some ideas and some cliche to really break it off so that we can live in the full freedom. And that's our mission here at Banner Church. We really desire that all people would experience the freedom and the power of a new life in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here, I hope you're ready. 
Okay, so the first one, if you're writing notes, if you got one of those cool calendars, on the back of this calendar is a little note section. We do this because it helps our mind process. If you're a, a, a visual processor like I am, that works for me. Um, but you can write this down. Here it is. God never said, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. I, I, like, I like to do weddings. I like to do weddings because... Weddings are long, and if you do them, you at least get paid to be there, um, and you don't have to dance. So that works for me. Um, no, I, I love, I love, I know, honestly, I love celebrating weddings uh, with people. It's fun. Uh, it's cool to, to celebrate. We're a church that loves to celebrate. Uh, but at, when I do weddings, there's always people who come up. Maybe they have a church background or, or unchurched, or, you know, maybe they went to Catholic church when they were three or something. And they say, man, I just love those sacred elements. Like we do, I do communion a lot because I love that as a couple. They say, oh, I love those, those sacred elements. Because I think as a culture, we love the sacred. Like we, we just long for meaning. Like because we turn on the TV and there's just not a lot of meaning, we just like long for those meaningful things. So people will travel the world and they'll take pictures in specific places trying to find something special or sacred. We went to Thailand. People are like, are you guys going to go take a picture in one of the temples? And I'm an architecture fan, so I get architecture. But I was like, no, nah, man, I'm going to go to the beach. And I'm not taking any pictures. Like <laughs> there's a no picture rule. <laughs> because I... I, I I do value the sacred, but I think we live in this culture now where more and more we value the sacred, we value the, the spiritual. And so a lot of times you get people that will say, and, and understandably, and, and if you say this, I didn't like pick you out or call you out. I'm not trying to put you down. Uh, but we get a lot of people that say, I'm not spiritual, or I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. Let me say that again. They say, I I'm spiritual, I'm just not religious. Like, I, I believe in something, and I, and I do really value the sacred, but, uh, but I'm not religious. I'm not, like, I'm not in, like, a certain group. And more and more, that's kind of the idea that, that we see presented in the postmodern culture that we live in is, I like the idea of the sacred. We're a culture where people will cross their hearts, but they won't lay their hearts at the cross. It's two very different things. And, and I think as we navigate this culture, it's important to understand that, that, that we're missing something if we really believe that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're just sincere. As long as you're just a good person, you know, as long as you're just good and you're sincere about being good, then, then that's, that, that's all you need. And, and I think it's interesting, and I... I studied a philosophy at a secular university in Seattle. So, you know, I grew up having this, having this discussion and spent my education having these discussions on comparative religion. But I think it's fascinating, even in the most um, kind of focused postmodern place, it's still not controversial to believe uh, in uh, spirituality, right? It's not controversial anymore to, to be spiritual or to have spirituality, and it's not even, like, odd or controversial to believe in God or a higher power, right? Just watch a football game. It's like, I want to thank God for letting me smash this dude into the 10-yard line. And we're like, praise him. You know, like, <laughs> I believe, too, until you miss a pass. Then you know where you're going. But, the <laughs> but it's not really controversial in, the, in this way that, that, we, uh, that we live. It starts to get a little more controversial, but not quite yet when you bring up Jesus, you get a half and half, is that you kind of get this idea when you bring up Jesus where people agree he was real, like historically he was real, 
History tells us this. Uh, people agree he was a teacher. Again, things we learn from history. Uh, where, and people enjoy teaching, like caring for the widows and orphans, um, helping the sick. I mean, people like those things. Those feel good. People like Jesus when, he, uh, when we just get like the Mother Teresa part. But you should all go read some of the stuff Mother Teresa says. Uh, but we like those kind of teaching. What people don't like about Jesus so much is his exclusive claim. That's when it gets a little uh, difficult. Is that pe- people don't have a problem with God? People have a problem with spirituality, sacred things, sacred elements. You could take communion at your job; they probably wouldn't care. They they have an issue with the sacred claim of Jesus Christ, with the very exclusive claim of Jesus. Like, what does that mean? Let me explain. John 14, if you brought your Bible, open your Bible to John chapter 14. And while you're doing that, we're going to pray together. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word transforms. I thank you that your word renews. I thank you that it restores, and I thank you that it brings life. And I pray this morning that what we walk through together as a church, will be your word speaking to our hearts. So God, we just lay aside biases, we lay aside any hard-heartedness, and we just receive from you this morning, Jesus' name. John 14, verse 1, words will be on the screen. It says this, let not your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus talking. Believe in God, believe also in me, meaning Jesus. In my Father's house, meaning God, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas replies, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How could we know the way? And so Jesus says to him, you might have heard this verse, uh, but this is super key. Underline it if if you're okay with that in your Bible or your Bible app. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, that's a very exclusive claim. That's not all roads. That's not all faith. That's not speak your truth. That's not walk your way. That's literally like, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven. No one has eternity. No one has salvation except through me. Very exclusive. And that's usually where the problem arises. Because we live in a, in a culture that, that comes with this idea that, well, all religions are essentially the same. As long as you're sincere and you're good, you know, they kind of they are all the same, right? I talk with a lot of people. They say, well, you know, I, yeah, you know, I, I kind of like this of this and this of this. They're kind of all the same anyways. Uh, to which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, they're not all the same. Now, I think that there is an element of beauty and usually a fraction of truth resting in almost any religious sense, in any, any sacred thing, in any beautiful thing. But it's not the truth, and it's not the light, it's not the way that is Jesus Christ. It's borrowing some truth, it's borrowing some life, it's borrowing some way, but it's not the truth, the way, the life. And so, I, again, I don't have time because it's only 30 minutes to go through every world religion and break them down. So if you come to after and say, well, what about, you know, Zoroastrianism and it's, you know, second pilgrimage? I'm like, I'm, we're not going to talk about that. Like, <laughs> um, but when we look, let's just take a second and give me some grace. And I want to just go through some major ones because I want to make this point. That all religions are not the same and they're not really that close. Uh, so Buddhism. In Buddhism... 
Uh, if you study Buddhism, there's, there isn't a God, a centralized God figure. Uh, and it's mostly about rebirth. Now, rebirth is similar but linked and different to reincarnation. Similar idea, but it deals with planes and different ideas. Uh, Hinduism has a similar rebirth ideology, but they have many gods, and you approach those gods or you draw near to the god through devotion to an idol or a place or a temple. And so there's very uh, specific focuses on karma. Uh, there is no forgiveness of sins. Uh, it's about uh, you do good, you get good. Uh, you do bad, you get bad. And you, come, you either come back better or you come back worse. It's all about karma. Are you still with me? Okay, good. Islam has a personal God, an Allah, right? Islam has a total ban on idols. So Hinduism, Islam, very different. You do not approach God through idols. You do not approach God through temples. You are not in a rebirth, but you approach God through devotion or through works, which is why you should be scared anytime anyone tells you you can work your way into heaven. But your relationship with God in Islam depends on devotion, personal God. Okay, New Age religions. If we kind of condense, and I know there's a lot in there, but New Age religions, there's no personal God. Uh, and it's very different in the sense that your closeness to a higher power comes from your alignment uh, mentally and the unlocking of your mind in alignment with the cosmos. So there's no rebirth like would be in Buddhism. There, there's no reincarnation like would be in Hinduism. But you're about alignment with a cosmic identity through a higher power. Everyone's still with me? Okay, good. I'm making sure we're still on. Okay, let's jump to Christianity. Uh, fan favorite, number five in your program, number one in your heart. Uh, Christianity has a personal God, so very different than uh, three of the four. The difference is that the relationship and how you draw nearer to that God is through relationship, not through devoted works of service. You do not attain eternity through works. You get it through faith in a God. If someone told you that you worked your way into heaven, they lied to you, and today we're going to set you free. But uh, there is forgiveness of sins, unlike Buddhism or Hinduism. There is no reincarnation. There is no karma. You get it because God loves you. You get love because he loves you, not because you did good in some past life. And forgiveness and eternity, again, unlike Islam, is not based on devotion and works. It's based on God's goodness. So, again, I know that's a snapshot, but I'm just trying to give you a perspective because if someone says, ah, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Kind of all religions are the same, and they're just all trying to teach you how to be a good person. I think that a logical person would say this. One, God never said that. Two, I think a logical person would say this. That doesn't seem right. Like whether or not you consider Christianity at all, I think one who is logical would say, I don't, they don't seem that like, there's some big things he just said, like forgiveness of sins and how many gods there are. This seemed like kind of a big difference. How you have eternity, how you have forgiveness. And I think that's important because you are important and what you believe is important. You're important to me. You're important to God. And I believe that what you believe is important because it dictates not only your now but your eternity. I'll make a confession to you. Uh, I am a Christian. I know that has relieved many of you. You're like, I saw the tattoos. I was worried. It's all right. I'll be in lower heaven. No, I'm just joking. That's not a thing. 
It's me and your weird uncle. <laughs> but I, I, I've studied comparative religion, and, and you know, obviously I, I might be biased for Christianity here. But this morning, I want to ask you to consider one thing, and that's to consider Jesus. This morning, if you're here, no matter where you came from, no matter how you found yourself here, someone invited you, brought you, first time, hundredth time, whatever it is, I'm just asking you to consider Jesus, the one who said that he is the way to the Father. I'm not asking you to consider the church, because the church is messy. Some of you have been hurt by church, so it's hard to consider Jesus, because when you think Jesus, you think the church. I'm not asking you to consider the church. I'm not even asking you to consider the denomination. Like we're AG. I'm not even asking you. Don't even consider the denomination. That's a whole, that's like a bureaucratic grouping of people. And I love it, but it's imperfect. I'm not even asking you today to consider Christianity. Some people are like, okay, uh, I was with you till that. Hear me say this morning that, that Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to start a relationship with you. That he came to start a relationship with you and in your life as a person to reveal the love of God to you. We call that collection as Christ followers, Christianity. But it is built on a relationship. And so this morning, as I go through these points, I just want you to consider Christ, not Christianity. I definitely don't want you to consider the behavior of Christians. Uh, if you took two Christians, uh, you might meet one who is totally on board, is loving, caring, um, who treats people the way that Jesus treats them. Then you might meet another person who professes to be a Christian, but is actually just super close-minded, super bigoted, kind of bitter, kind of, kind of judgmental, right? Like nobody elbows somebody next to you in that one. But this morning, I don't want you to consider, I'm not asking you to consider that. I'm not asking you to consider the systems. I'm, just, I'm not even asking you to consider me as a pastor because I'm flawed. Like, I'm not perfect. It, I'm asking this morning to just consider Jesus, to consider the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, it does matter what you believe this morning because there's one way to God. There's one way to salvation. There's one way to eternal life. There's one way to the freedom and power of a new life. And that's through Jesus Christ. So there's a couple things I want to consider. If you're writing notes, you can write this down. But the first thing I want you to consider is the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus. I want to talk for a second about the ministry of Jesus. If you brought your Bible, flip real quick to Mark 2. If not, it will be on the screen. It says this, verse 16 through 17. It says, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he, meaning Jesus, was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to him, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. This is the ministry of Jesus. Jesus did not come for military expansion, for national power. He did not come to schmooze the right people, to move up the ladder. He did not come to expand the boundaries of a specific. He came to walk and to live and to eat and to drink and to heal and to touch and to care for the hurting, the broken, the outcast, the unwanted people. 
That's the ministry of Jesus. He came for the people. God came for the people that the world rejected. If you were trying to get a good witness base, you should pick people that people believe, care for, and love, not the people that no one likes, no one cares for, and no one wants. And yet that's what Jesus did. He came for the hurting. He came from the broken. When they catch a woman, a woman in adultery, the law at the time would have allowed them to, to respond with stoning. And so they bring her out and they want Jesus to weigh in on this. And they say, Jesus, okay, pass a verdict. She's breaking the law. Jesus says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Jesus defends, cares for, loves the hurting and the broken. Jesus came for the needy. Man, when you read about Jesus, Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He healed deaf ears. He caused the mute to speak. He healed the untouchable lepers, the people no one would get near. He turned the water into wine. I know that messes with some of your uh, ideas, but Jesus liked the party. It's okay. He fed 5,000 people. He walked on water. He raised the dead. And his critics never said he's not doing miracles. His critics just wanted him to stop. They said, hey, man. Stop, especially on this day. Stop, stop it. <laughs> stop performing signs. Stop performing miracles. But God is a God of miracles, and Jesus was all about miracles. I know everybody makes fun of me for the way I say miracles, but <laughs> that's why none of them preach. Uh, some of you are here today because you are a miracle of Jesus Christ. Some of you are here today because you were dead and you're alive. Some of you should be dead, but you're here because of Jesus Christ. Some of you should be in prison. Some of you should be in darkness. Some of you should be in drugs, but you're here. Because of what God has done in your life. Your life is a miracle. And I just love that. It's like when we look at the ministry of Jesus and we consider the ministry of Jesus, we have to consider that he came and did miracles for all kinds of people, rich people, poor people, lost people, famous people, people with power, people with no power, people forgotten, just everybody. I, it's amazing. And I love seeing that because you know when a life has been transformed by Jesus Christ. Katie and I, we used to uh, do youth ministry, and when we started in youth ministry, we just got all these kids that we were so unqualified to deal with. We got all the kids in youth ministry that the other leaders were like, if I get this kid on my, we had call list, if I get this kid on my call list, I will not do youth ministry. Some of you, you were that kid. Uh, <laughs> If I get this kid, I'm not going to do it. So I have been to NAAA hospitals. I've, you know, like sat with people and, you know, held them and not let them leave during withdrawals. Like we've gone through the process with people. And what's amazing to me is as Jesus does a miracle in people's life, they are transformed. They are renewed. The old is gone. The new has come. And I love that. And I think, you know, sometimes people are, are a little messy or people are really just like raw and real. And so we think like, oh, they haven't been transformed. But, and you know when they're transformed. We had this youth kid and we were talking about what God was doing. And he just goes, man, that's, insert word here, amazing. <laughs> and he would just respond. You know how you're agreeing in the sermon. He would just respond with words that you might not say. Like, blank yeah, right? <laughs> But I loved it because he was transformed and renewed and God was doing a work in his life. And he was a miracle. 
He wasn't perfect. He was transformed. The old was gone. The new would come. And that's the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's when we look at Jesus, what we consider is the ministry of Jesus Christ, that we are new creations. And we're new creations because of the second thing I want you to consider this morning, and that's the resurrection of Jesus. See, God loves me, but he hates sin. Jesus, he was born of a virgin. He was born with a heavenly father. And he walked through life without sin. He's the lamb without blemish. And yet he went to the cross to take my sins upon himself, your sins upon himself. And get this, if you can really see this moment where Jesus, who was at creation, who was fully God, who was there when all things were created, is now on a cross being mocked by his own creation. His own creation, who beat him unrecognizable, who nailed his hands and his feet to a cross, who hung him on an instrument of torture in front of a crowd of people and mocked him to his face. And in this moment, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. John 19 says, and Jesus received the sour wine. He says, it is finished or it is done. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, and the earth goes dark, and the earth trembles, and the curtain in the temple is torn, and the centurion who's watching Jesus on the cross says, surely that was the Son of God. And so they lay him in a grave, but what we celebrate, what we know to be true, is that three days later was the resurrection, and that the tomb is empty, and the stone was rolled away, and Jesus was not there, Right? In Acts 3, Peter says this. Peter, I love Peter. He's so bold. He gets up, and he just gives this insane message filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, and this is a bold way to really lay into it, you killed the author of life. Chill, Peter. <laughs> but he's right. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. And he says this, to this we are witnesses. Skeptics of the resurrection would say, well, you know, the Roman soldiers took the body, which is an interesting idea if you're, if, if you're skeptical because if you had the body of Christ, the easiest thing to put down this new transition and all the things that were happening would just be to produce the body. And you know what uh, really locks and, and uh, unlocks secrets? Money. And they were a fan of using money for things. And yet, no body. People say, okay, well. The disciples took the body, which I think is an interesting skepticism as well. Because if the disciples took the body of Christ, then what you're saying is that a group of disciples cowering in a house who fled, got organized, went down, no weapons, and uh, overtook armed, trained, and organized Roman guards. It was one of the best militaries in the whole world and some of the best in history. A bunch of random fishermen went down and just got into fisticuffs and moved a stone and got the Lord's body. Right? Never to mention the guards' own testimony, which was that it supernaturally happened and it matched the testimony of the disciples. And the Pharisees were like, here's some money. No, it didn't. I think even to go beyond that in the resurrection, if we're skeptical about the resurrection, what you're saying is that 11 of uneducated, undisciplined men pulled off in secret 
the most elaborate scheme in the history of the world. And if you can believe that, then explain to me why. Because the only result of them being eyewitnesses to this scheme was extreme poverty, total isolation, and brutal torture and brutal murder. That's just a bad game plan. If you're going to come up with something, get rich. Don't say give all you have to the poor as the basis of your thing. Say, give it to me. <laughs> That's how you should start. That's called a cult. <laughs> but when we look at the resurrection, we see these men who, for the sake of being eyewitnesses, as Peter said, we were witnesses to this, for the sake of being witnesses, were brutally martyred for their faith. Probably one of the most famous being Thomas. If you uh, spent time in church, you might have heard him get the nickname Doubting Thomas, which I feel like is kind of a drag because he gets this one moment. He gets the whole tag, like his whole history. But Thomas, who in John 14 asked the question, how do we get to you, God, is then seen in John 20 saying, unless I see the mark and the nails and place my finger into the mark and the nails, I will never believe. And so eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it inside my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. So Jesus shows up and says, Stop doubting. And you know what Thomas does if you jump ahead in his life, and you know the life of Thomas? Thomas goes to India. And Thomas becomes one of the greatest evangelists, and he takes the, the gospel to India. And when he's in India, they come to Thomas and say, listen, you must renounce your faith or we will kill you. And he says, I cannot. And so they run him through with a spear. So the guy who's known as the doubter goes from being the doubter to, yeah, man, run me through with a spear. I'm not reneging on what I said was going to happen. I'm standing by my word. I'm standing by my witness. Why? He wasn't getting rich. He wasn't getting anything from it. He wasn't getting power. Why? It's because he's an eyewitness to what God had done. He was an eyewitness to the resurrection because Peter said, I saw the risen Lord. And so when I consider Jesus, I consider the resurrection. I don't consider Christians, they're messy. I don't consider the pastor, he's imperfect. I don't consider the church, we got our own problems. I consider Jesus, his ministry, and his resurrection, that he came from heaven to earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he went to the cross and the grave, and he rose from the grave, and those who saw it said, it is so real and so true and so powerful that I count everything as lost for the sake of knowing God. Romans 3.22 says this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, we're made right with God by believing. By having faith in Jesus, every person, no matter how broken, no matter how hurt, no matter how lost you might feel, you might feel like the most sinful person on earth. It does not matter. You are forgiven. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the old is gone and you are made a new creation. Can I tell you, church, that is real Christianity. It's Christ plus nothing. 
It's Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus works. It's not like Jesus plus like really extreme devotion in certain prayer times. It's not Jesus uh, plus some karmic sense. It's not even Jesus plus small groups, even though I love small groups. It's not even Jesus plus attendance, though I think you should come to church. I think it's good. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's literally Christ plus nothing. It's Christ. He came. It's a free gift. See, religion is all about performance. It's if I'm good, God will love and accept me. Relate, relationship with Jesus is all about love. It's that God loves and accepts me because he's good. Because God is good. God loves you because of who he is. When we look at the ministry of Jesus, when we look at the resurrection of Jesus, it's the greatest love story of all time. And if someone told you you had to work or earn it or build up to it, let me just free you of that misconception today and say you don't have to earn it. We're told in Ephesians that it's a gift of grace from God for you, not by works but by faith. Free yourself from the idea that you got to earn it through devotion or there's some kind of karma. See, we have attached all these other ideas onto Christianity that makes it seem like other religions. But if you break it away, if you take off karma, if you take off works, if you take off these things, if you take off prosperity, if you take off all these ideas and you put it down to Christ plus nothing, just Christ, Jesus Christ, the free gift of grace, then all of a sudden you realize how profound and deep and beautiful and freeing that really is, that you cannot earn it. And that's why I ask that you consider the ministry of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Final thing is to consider the eternal message of Jesus. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. The eternal message of Jesus. See, religion is spelled D-O. It's about what you do. And I heard it said this way. Relationship is spelled D-O-N-E. It means it's done. It's finished. Jesus has finished it. 2,000 years ago, he who had no sin became sin for us. It's already done. You know, we prayed for you this morning. I don't know if you knew this. We prayed as a group together that you would walk in the victory of what you've already received, the victory of Jesus Christ. He's already won. We're not like waiting and hoping he overcomes. He has overcome. He has won. He has risen. And no matter what you have done, you receive the free gift of grace. It's finished. Skeptics would say, I think it's too good to be true. That's too good to be true. That's my favorite thing about the gospel is it's the good news. See, we get so much bad news. We have to earn and prove so much in our life. We have to prove things to receive so much love. We have to earn so much love that when someone says, hey, you get this for free, we're like, I don't know. <laughs> nah, that'd be the first time. Woo. <laughs> Woke up today thinking nothing would be louder than my shirt, but I was wrong. <laughs> I want to say, when we look at this idea that God never said that it doesn't matter what you believe, hear me say, it's not to put down what you currently believe. It's not to put down how you currently might think or the beliefs that you might come in or the things that you might have brought in. It's not to put it down, but to lift you up and say, look, there's something here that's bright and beautiful and life and freedom that every person here can experience the freedom and the power of a new life in Christ. 
that you can know where you go when you die. If you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, that's a scary thought. I would super encourage you to think on that. But most importantly, there is a God who loves you so deeply. He doesn't say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me so that you have this funnel of proof you have to go through. But because he wants to embrace you in his arms and bring you into the love of the Father. It's a loving embrace. It's a loving guidance to say, listen, there's so much freedom and there's so much love in the gospel and in God. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove it. It's already been done. You just have to receive it. And so this morning, if you make that choice and you say, I choose to put my faith in Jesus and I choose to to follow him with my life and say, you know what? I believe that you are Lord and I believe in the death and resurrection and I receive that today. You know, good news is that the old is gone, the new has come. It's not like later down the road, once you've attended two small groups, then the old is gone, the new. Literally right now, the old is gone, the new has come. For some of you, that would be a miracle in your life. That the old would be gone and the new would come. Some of you, you need to get over the, the old that has drugged you down. And you need to live new and fresh. And find the freedom of that. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I just, I do this because I want you to be able to focus on you and the Lord in this moment. You and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Not you and the person next to you. Not you and me. Not you and Banner Church. Just you and Jesus this morning. That's what matters here in this place. And you and Jesus is, this morning I started out by just asking you to consider Jesus. And some of you this morning have, for the first time or maybe reconsidered. But some of you for the first time are considering Jesus and you're saying, that's what I want. I want the free gift of grace. I want unconditional love. I want complete freedom. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I want eternal life. You're saying, that's what I want. I don't want to be the God of my own life. I want Jesus. And if that's you this morning in this church, and you're willing to say, I put my faith in you, Jesus, then this morning, when you make that decision, the old is gone, the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to give you, in just a moment, a chance to respond and to begin that journey and that walk in following him. And some of you, you've heard that request before. And you haven't made it. You're like, well, there's, there's time. I'm not sure. You know, there's so many. Listen, there's one way to the Father. There's one way to eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through him. And so this morning you have a choice. Will I step into that and receive the free grace and the love and the unconditional love of Christ this morning and begin to walk with Jesus and consider Jesus today? Consider Jesus today. that's you this morning and in that moment as you consider Jesus you say yes today's the day I choose to follow you Jesus with my life 
Or some of you, you've walked away and you say, today, I choose to reconsider. I'm coming back and I choose to follow you, Jesus, with my life. And this is a sign of my commitment. If that's you today, I just want you real quick, every eye closed, every head bowed, this is you and him. But I just want you to lift your hand if that's you and you're saying, today, I consider Jesus. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. Well, I want to do this as we end before the worship band leads us in this course, which I just think is, or whatever it is, bridge, whatever, that's so fitting in this song that I love. But I want to pray together in this moment. So just all together, would you repeat with me? And I, and I think this is an important moment because it really establishes our words and our thoughts and just makes a commitment of the heart and the intent of the heart. And we believe that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so we want to pray together. So just repeat after me all together, those who raised their hand for the first time and those who just really are so thankful for the Lord. Would you pray, dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for coming to the earth, for taking my sins upon the cross, dying for me, for raising from the grave. Bringing me new life. I give you my heart. And I choose today to follow you with my whole life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Can we just celebrate those who gave their life to the Lord this morning? We thank you. Let's worship together this morning.